Hello again, everyone. I'm Tim Muma. Thanks for joining us on LJN Radio. This episode of Management Decisions, we're touching on a subject that, well, is a little bit of interest to me. We're talking about professional sports franchises and whether or not they have a positive impact on that city's economy. To talk about this in more detail, we're bringing on Victor Matheson. He's a sports economist from Holy Cross, and he's someone who has a lot of experience diving into the details of this particular topic. Victor, thanks a lot for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, Of course, we're going to get into some greater detail about this subject as a whole, but I wanted to start right off the top asking just your overall opinion on the economic impact of a sports franchise on the city that it's in. What's the overall take that you've gotten from it? Well, economists who are not connected with the leagues or the teams or any sort of these big events, when we go back and actually look at the data, when either a big event comes to town or you have a franchise move into a city or leave a city, Mm -hmm. we see economic impact that is either zero or very, very small. So really a fraction of what is often claimed by the leagues and teams. So why then does it appear that so many people, whether it be the citizens of the city or businesses, politicians, they believe it's so beneficial to have that team there, or as you mentioned, bring in a new franchise, despite all the costs, they think it's really going to help the economy? Well, at least one thing is that it's easy to see the economic activity that does occur because of a sporting event. Mm -hmm. You know, you go down to a Major League Baseball game, there's 50,000 people there, they're all spending money at the game, you see the crowds in congestion, and it's pretty easy to think, well, you know, look at all this economic activity that's occurring. What you're not seeing is what those 50,000 people would have been doing if that baseball team was not in town that night. It's not as if uh, cities without Major League Baseball don't have other entertainment options, and it's not that people in those cities don't spend their money elsewhere in the local economy. So one of the big uh, issues is what economists refer to as the substitution effect. Hmm. And basically, sports uh, substitute away from other spending in the local economy. How about the idea that, well, it creates jobs because these people wouldn't have had jobs at the stadium or arena or that uh, restaurants and bars get some overflow from games that wouldn't have been occurring? Is that all just kind of fictional? Is there a little bit of impact? But as you said, it's kind of negligible. What would you say about those items? Well, there certainly is some impact there. There's especially local neighborhood effects. Mm -hmm. Uh, If I'm a sports bar owner, of course I want a major league (laughs) franchise with an entryway right across from my bar. But again, remember, every person spending money at the stadium is money not being spent elsewhere. So again, it's very easy to uh, point out all the people working in the stadium, but you miss out on the folks who say, well, we don't need uh, to hire another shift for waiters tonight at my restaurant across the city because of the uh, business we're not getting. It should also be pointed out the number of people who actually work at a major league franchise is very, very small when you look at uh, full, you know, full-time equivalent jobs. A typical major league baseball franchise employs less people on an annual basis than a large department store like a Macy's. Sure. Another item that somebody brought up to me, and I really didn't think of it, to be honest, originally, was the players who are in the city and paying an income tax. Obviously, they're making a lot of money in, in most cases. Does that play any role in the thinking of how it impacts an economy or how it can help in some way, those taxes that they're paying? Yeah, so there's no doubt that uh, when you have people there earning money, especially if that city or state is, is taxing that, and most states now have an entertainment tax or an entertainer tax, sure. where if you come into the state, uh, you're going to pay income tax in that. Uh, you know, uh, April 15th tax day is, <laughs> is a huge Huge issue, but boy, if you're a professional athlete, man, your income taxes are crazy because not only are you putting out your regular taxes, but uh, you may be filling out 25 different state tax uh, tax forms. That's uh, really a nightmare. It can cost you easily 10000 bucks just to fill out your tax forms if you're a pro <laughs> athlete. But that being said, one of the issues with pro athletes is, yeah, that money that gets taxed from them actually stays in the city. 
but most athletes don't actually live in the states uh, where they where they play. Sure. So that means when you pay these athletes, rather than that money going into the athlete's pocket and then being respent in the local economy, that money's typically respent somewhere else across the country. And so that money actually doesn't recirculate very much in the local economy compared to most spending. You know, you spend money at a local bar or restaurant. Right. That money goes going into the tavern owner's pocket, and that local tavern owner is then going to spend money in the local economy. So that money recirculates a lot more than money that goes into A-Rod's pocket or goes into Tom Brady's pocket. <laughs> How about the idea that people bring up that I guess it's kind of an intangible and, and that's what makes it difficult, but a city's attractiveness or tourism that comes in that might be because of again, that team, or really it might be the stadium or bringing in different events that wouldn't otherwise come because you have an old stadium or you have no stadium arena. Can you really factor those things in? Is that all just theory? Where do we lump that in when we're talking about the impact on an economy? Well, there's definitely some tourism impacts, so no one's going to deny that. And, and th- those tourism impacts are likely to be much higher, either when you've got a, uh, a city, maybe a Kansas City, where there's not much in the uh, local area. So really, if you're anywhere in the surrounding couple hundred miles, Kansas City Royals games really are a big event where you know, you're selling out a lot of hotel rooms there. Right. Or if you've got an iconic stadium, a Wrigley Field or a Fenway, this sort of thing, certainly those are tourist attractions. Mind you, the sort of cities that have Major League Baseball franchises tend to be tourist attractions on their own. Sure. No doubt you attract a lot of people to come see Yankees games every year in New York City, but uh, Yankees are one tiny piece of yeah. that whole <laughs> travel puzzle and, and why you would go to New York in the first place. So there's that. Uh, the second issue is when we actually measure tourism flows associated with pro sporting events, it doesn't seem to be very big. Hmm. At a typical baseball game, the majority of people at that game are locals. And again, that's money being spent you know, at the stadium rather than elsewhere in the economy. Sure, you know, 5, 10, 15% of the people may be from out of town, maybe even 20, 25% in some real iconic places, but that's not very much. And many of those are what we call casual tourists who are tourists who are going to go to the city anyway, and they decide to do this as one of the things they do in the city. Okay. However, if that, if that game hadn't been in town, then they would have gone and done something else. So again, the Red Sox gain is Bunker Hill Monuments loss. Now, you did bring up a, a point there as far as the, maybe the size of the city and a lot of them already, as you said, they're tourist attractions. Is there then a greater impact on, say, a city like Green Bay, who have the Packers? Now, granted, they're playing very few games, but Green Bay obviously being so small. You mentioned Kansas City, even Milwaukee, when you look at the market size. Would you argue that in a city like that, having a team does have more impact than if you're talking about a New York or an L.A.? Yeah, now that's a really interesting question. Uh, obviously, uh, you hear this term, you know, putting a city on the map, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is a this is makes them a major league city. We're not really worried about Los Angeles withering away when it loses <laughs> right. to NFL teams a couple decades ago. But what about an Oklahoma City, right? Uh, that attracts an NBA team a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Does that make them a major league city? There certainly is some civic pride issue associated with that. Sure. Uh, however, if we look at the economies of two very similar cities. Oklahoma City, which is now a major league city, and Tulsa, which is almost exactly the same city, same state, roughly the same size, just up the road, but is not a, quote, major league city. You know, the growth rates of those two cities and how, how 
you know, what jobs are doing in those cities and what incomes are like in those cities. There hasn't been much divergence since uh, the Thunder came to Oklahoma City and made them a major league city while Tulsa's a poor minor league city still. So we just don't seem to see many of those things. Mind you, it's a great amenity. It's certainly more fun to be an Oklahoma City resident now. That's one more great entertainment option for you, but it doesn't seem to translate into a lot of economic impact. Sure. And I think that is something that, as you brought up a couple of times, it's it's what you're not seeing versus what you do see and, and where the spending is being distributed versus additional spending. So I hope people are getting that from the conversation. I wanted to ask kind of on the flip side, you, you brought up Oklahoma City, which is a great example of them getting a franchise in recent years. Here in Milwaukee, looking to build a new arena and a new whole district idea to make sure the Bucks stay here in the NBA. Is it detrimental to lose a sports franchise versus looking at the positive impact of possibly bringing in a franchise? Yeah, let me think about that. Uh, We don't have (laughs) many examples of that. Uh, Again, mainly because over the past several decades, there's been expansion in uh, all the big four sports. So we've had a lot more franchises out there to spread around. And when we do see examples of cities losing their team, we've often seen a team move back in there again because of an expansion. So, you know, Cleveland loses their team to uh, Baltimore Colts, but then they get an expansion franchise again later. Same thing with Houston, loses their team to Tennessee, but gets the Texans back a few years later. So we don't see a whole lot of examples of that. That being said, you could certainly be uh, concerned, uh, especially if you're one of these small market cities like Milwaukee, but it also could be uh, uh, Sacramento. Mm-hmm. They are kind of have been on the verge of losing the Kings, their one major league, major league franchise for a long time. So yeah, that, that's an interesting question that I don't think we have a, uh, enough data to really have a good answer on that. Sure. Another aspect of this is oftentimes, you know, you hear it's not necessarily the franchise, but you're talking about that stadium or arena. As I mentioned with the Bucks, it's building a new one to essentially keep up with the Joneses and have all those amenities. If you're bringing in a new franchise, they may have to build a stadium because there isn't one there that exists or maybe it is outdated. When it comes to that, how much of a factor is it if the arena or the stadium is being used more consistently and it does have something year round versus say a lot of football stadiums where it's used for eight home games and then maybe a handful of concerts and and nothing else is going on. Does that, I guess, adjust the perspective on the positive impact or negligible impact of a franchise? Yeah, there's no doubt that arenas are a much better economic deal than stadiums. Sure. Because they can be used, especially, you know, in cold weather places. Obviously, they're used for many more things. There's just very, very few events Mm -hmm. that come through the United States that uh, require a stadium of of 70,000. There are just not many things. Uh, There's not many music acts that can fill 70,000. There's not many other events. I don't know, truck and tractor pulls or super props <laughs> or something like this. There's just not many of those that you need that sort of facility for, but there are a huge number of events for arenas. So, for example, and again, I, I'm, you know, I'm the stadium critic, but when we went back and looked at Staples Center, sure. which, mind you, was mostly privately financed, uh, not publicly financed, but the Staples Center in L.A., you know, this is a facility that gets uh, used like 250 days a year because they've got professional basketball with the Clippers. Uh, they have semi-professional basketball with the Lakers this year. Uh, they, <laughs> oh. have the, uh, <laughs> they have the Kings uh, in the NHL. They've had WNBA teams. They had uh, arena football back when that, uh, that league was around. The Grammys are often there. So this is a facility that makes some economic sense. You use it all the time, and that makes sense to use it. And, you know, in Milwaukee, a new stadium is going to be used uh, even with or without the Bucks because Milwaukee is a large, uh, a large metropolitan area that's going to attract lots of, of the big music acts. You're going to go to Milwaukee if you're on a on nationwide tour. So, uh, you know, this is a facility that's going to get used for lots of purposes. Sure. 
I was not expecting the shot at the Lakers. Not that I mind it. Not that I mind it. Not going to say I'm a Lakers fan by any means. So. Yeah, for many years it was the Clippers joke, but boy, yeah. uh, you know, that uh, it's turned around here the last couple of years. Yeah, no, that's, that's a fair point. I enjoy the Clippers. Now, with Milwaukee, Miller Park is an example of a time where, you know, the Brewers probably would have left. Again, who really knows, but the stadium was run down and old. They build Miller Park. Uh, one of the things that was promoted as far as building a new stadium was bringing in the All-Star game, which they then had in 2002. We won't talk about how that ended or what the issues with that, but there was a discussion of how much money that would bring into the city. And even though obviously it was a one-time thing, that that would you know argue that it's, it's a benefit having Miller Park in that case. Is any one-time event like that, even if it brings in, say, $100 million, I'm just throwing the dollar amount out there, does that justify anything in terms of helping with the economic impact or because it's a one-time thing, it's really, again, not that big of a deal? Certainly, anytime you put events in your stadium, this is a good thing. So again, you want to use these things for as many uh, purposes as you can. And a one-time event is great. Obviously, you string together dozens and dozens of one-time events and all of a sudden you've got a lot of, uh, you've got a lot of impact, right? The problem is that these one-time events suffer from exactly the same sort of problems when looking at economic analysis as other things. Is Again, this substitution effect, so if any local Milwaukee folks went to the All-Star game, that's just money being going into Major League Baseball's pockets rather than elsewhere down in the fine German restaurants in Milwaukee or other places <laughs> that you could go. So that's one. Uh, a second thing is we have what's called the crowding out effect. Mm-hmm. Crowding out is when crowds and congestion associated with a sporting event crowd out the other economic activity that occurs in, in at the same time. So, for example, the Super Bowl has more than once uh, coincided with one of the days in, in Mardi Gras, and it's been in New Orleans. Right. So, you know, New Orleans would have been absolutely full during this time anyway, and now you're just displacing Mardi Gras uh, revelers with Super Bowl uh, uh, fans. So that's not a net increase. That's just changing the kind of uh, the people who are there spending the money. So again, an all-star game in the middle of uh, middle of summer. It's not as if Milwaukee's you know the great tourist destination, but again, it's 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 fairly full. You know, nice things along the lake. And uh, if those hotels are generally full in the summer anyway, bringing a bunch of folks in for the all-star game is simply displacing the folks that were already there. Sure. What would you say to people then as far as when they hear numbers that are thrown out? Uh, for example, I had just printed out something from the Greater Milwaukee Convention and Visitors Bureau who, it seems like they're extremely positive about the impact of, say, a Miller Park. Or if you hear politicians talking about the impact it's going to bring in, what advice do you give to the general public, especially who might not have all the details? What should they think when they hear stuff like this? Uh, how should they help formulate their opinion? What would you tell them? Well, certainly there's going to be winners and losers. Mm -hmm. And uh, if I'm part of the convention and tourist business, of course, I benefit from conventions and tourism, right? So if I'm a hotel, uh, if I'm a restaurant, especially a restaurant near the new proposed arena or new Miller Park, you know, of course I want these things. And, and of course, I'm, I'm even happier if those, uh, those events and those facilities are subsidized by the general Milwaukee population. So again, understand that there's winners and losers. Second thing, as a rule of thumb, economists, again, not associated with convention and, and, and tourist business, those independent economists, basically our rule of thumb is take whatever the league team or conventions bureau is telling you, move the uh, decimal place one place to the left, and that's a pretty good <laughs> guess of what the actual economic impact of that event is going to be. Fair enough, fair enough. And as you've brought up numerous times, there can be 
individual scenarios where it's better or worse, depending on the timing of things and the city and what's going on. So I do hope people understand we're not trying to put a blanket on everything. But I I do sense a general uh, idea of what, as you said, the economists will think about the kind of impact that's happening. The last thing I wanted to ask you about, and and you kind of mentioned it with the Staples Center being mostly privately funded, again, because I am headquartered in Milwaukee, it's easy to reference uh, Miller Park had a stadium tax, which was one-tenth of a percent in the five counties around the area. Does that in any way, as an economist, affect how you think about a franchise coming in if it's mostly privately funded versus essentially asking taxpayers to chip in as as little as it might be, one-tenth of a percent, when they're the ones essentially going to be spending the money also at the stadium? Does that impact any way how you look at it being a net gain or, or a profit in any way? Yeah, so for sure. Uh, any economist out there uh, will tell you if a team wants to move to a, a city and if a team wants to build a new stadium, the city should do everything that in their power to make it easy for a team or any business in the city to spend their own money mm-hmm. building their own factory or their own arena or their own store. You know, we should be as accommodating as possible as a government to make sure that businesses feel comfortable spending their own money. We should be extremely skeptical when a business wants to spend taxpayer money. Victor, I appreciate you coming on, giving us your insight. I think uh, some really good details for people to hear about, chew on a little bit, and of course, formulate their own opinions. And I'm sure there's also a bias there. If you're a big sports fan, you probably don't care much if you have to pay one-tenth of a percent. If you don't care about sports, you probably care a lot about that one-tenth of a percent. So I'll leave it at that. But thanks for coming on and sharing with us today. Again, thank you very much for having me. Unfortunately, that will wrap things up for us here on Management Decisions and our conversation with Victor Matheson, again, a sports economist from Holy Cross. You're talking about the potential impact, positive or even negative, of professional sports franchises on that particular city's economy. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can send us an email, ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. We always appreciate your feedback of any of our shows on LJN Radio. You can also find us on iTunes, LJN Radio, in the search bar. That will bring up all of our episodes. And you can also connect with us on Twitter. Find us at the LJN. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later. 